Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Gail Gibson from Malaysia with us. And Gail, you're not originally from Malaysia, so tell us a little bit about where you are and how you got there. Well, hi, April, and thanks for having me on your show today. Uh, Yes, I started out life in Perth, Western Australia, on the beautiful coastline there. Um, I was uh, educated and raised there, did my university uh, studies there, and then I became a global traveller. I took off and I lived in uh, Vancouver for six months, so I worked and lived over there. Came back to Australia, met my husband, and we have been travelling the world together ever since for almost the last 30 years. So we decided to, after we were married, we um, took a one-way trip to Kenya in Africa and we spent three months just backpacking through um, Africa, through Uganda, Tanzania, into Malawi and Zanzibar as well. We had an incredible adventure. And then we made our way to the UK, which became our home then for almost 25 years. Um, We loved our time in the UK and did so much traveling and everything over there, went to Europe and the US and we've been all over the world together. And then we decided to relocate once again and made our way to one of our favorite destinations in the world, which has um, become our home now. So we are now based in beautiful Johor Bahru which is the first state in Malaysia just above Singapore. And we have been here since 2018. Just in time to settle in and get ready for this wild ride that we've been on for the past year. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Couldn't think like of a better a place to do it. <laughs> oh, good. Had you visited it in the past and then decided of all the places that we've been, this is where we want to settle down now? Yes, indeed. So we had been traveling here on our way back to visit family in Australia over all the years that we've been away. Um, this was always a stopping point for us. So with mm. either Kuala Lumpur and then we just decided to explore more of Malaysia while we were here. So we've been to the jungles in Borneo, um, seen all the great apes and things like that. And just we fell in love with the culture, the people, the food. I mean, it's a beautiful, um, very relaxed way of life. It's a tropical paradise. Um, we are two degrees above the equator so the temperature the climate stays pretty much the same every day of the year all year round we have wonderful tropical thunderstorms in the afternoon to cool everything off but mm-hmm. um, life is life is wonderful here we're, we're living our tropical dream so we're very very happy here so I didn't know this before uh, we started recording, but you mentioned that you're from Perth. And my guest that was, I think, two or three before you, Rail Bricker, uh, he's also in Perth now, but he's from South Africa. Okay. So, wow, that's interesting. I actually know a man who is a clown um, in Perth. So Okay, cool. Yes, yes. <laughs> Small world, maybe, kind yes. of a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, less than six degrees, I think, these days, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think especially with the internet, it definitely is probably shrinking. Sure. That's that was yeah. actually that would be a really interesting uh, research to see if that's been updated. <laughs> I would like to know the answer to that. If anybody knows <laughs> about six degrees of separation, <laughs> let me know if that's down to four or five now. <laughs> all right, Gail, tell us what you do. How have you been able to travel the world? Were you working all of those years or were you kind of working in, in sections and taking a long vacation and then working again? Or <laughs> what is it that you do? Okay, so my work that I deliver now is as a performance and leadership coach. So I mm-hmm. work with business and corporate leaders and I help them to achieve peak personal performance. And so I have gathered the skills to do that over many years of working. So tapping into traveling and working. So I set up my first business back in 2005 in the UK and it was a a communication services business called True Expressions. And I wrote content for websites. I helped people to write articles for their business press releases web um, web copy, social media, all of that type of content. And so that was enabled me to work from home. It enabled me to work with clients from all over the world as well. And it was during that time that I was introduced to coaching and I was recommended by a very good friend of mine to take, oppor- take the opportunity to do a one-year coaching 
course that was being delivered by one of the local universities. And it was a fully funded um, program from the European funding. So I thought, why not? This is an opportunity to learn some new skills and do something different. So I started the course and I absolutely fell in love with coaching. And I quickly realized that I had been doing it in a subtle, not a qualified way through my corporate days before I took a leap of faith and decided to work for myself. Mm-hmm. So coaching became more and more a part of my business. And in 2014, I decided to rebrand my business as Gail M. Gibson because people were buying my services and people were buying me as a coach. So my client base changed, my my whole approach to what I was delivering changed. So what I did is I didn't I parked the writing for others, but I continued the writing for myself. So mm. I still write blogs regularly. I write newsletters. I, I love to write. It's a very passionate part of my whole life. And so I was able to then again take my coaching global because I could use a platform. I could use at that time Skype before Zoom came in and I could use Skype to talk to people on the other side of the world to me. I was coaching clients in the US and Australia and the UK. And so it was, it gave me an opportunity to work globally. So again, from home or from cafes, um, wherever I wanted to sit myself and, and be available for my clients, it was just a matter of technology. Um, and the times that we traveled, I also embraced those opportunities as well to maybe even look at speaking opportunities. Um, when I was in Australia, I did do that. I took the opportunity to get in front of a couple of organizations when I launched my first book, um, which was all about how to make networking work for you. So I um, took it upon myself and, and approached two organizations and said, look, I've written this book. It would be ideal for your organizations. Is there a chance to speak? So I got two speaking gigs while I was visiting my family in, in Perth. And um, so I've, I guess I've always embraced working and traveling and never seen it as having to break that up. So I still get a holiday out of it. I still have a vacation. I still get time to step away and to refresh and reset myself. But at the same time, if work opportunities are there or if there's an interview or if there's a new client that sometimes falls out of a conversation, um, Mm -hmm. I will engage with them and deliver the work there and then. So sometimes it sounds like you might have already planned a trip to go back to see friends or family and you pursue a work opportunity in that location. And mm-hmm. other times you have a work uh, job, uh, a reason to go visit a client, and then you go ahead and turn that into a little bit of a That's vacation right. as yes. well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know what the tax laws are, like where you live, but like I'm mm-hmm. thinking business right off. Like, oh, you know, you can use those expenses at least for the travel portion. But does it matter <laughs> which one was scheduled first, the vacation versus the speaking engagement? Um, no, it it hasn't mattered to me previously and my tax laws may be different to yours because we're UK tax based. So um, yeah, it's been, I've been flexible to be able to do that. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, when you're a performance coach, the first thing that comes to my mind is like speaking, like helping people learn how to be present on stage and sound well. <laughs> uh, but is that actually what you're coaching? Interesting that people... People often define that, but my my type of performance coaching that I do is personal performance. So it, okay. it is all about helping people with their mindset. So I'm somebody who's done a lot of um, research work and reflective work for myself and gaining knowledge in the growth mindset and how the growth mindset is a key muscle that we need to all develop, not just as business people, but in life to be able to get through the challenges that we face. So we get we we get faced daily as business people with setbacks. We get faced with obstacles. We get faced with maybe difficult clients. Um, so it's how we then face those situations and how we overcome them that is to do with learning how to have a strong growth mindset. So that is part of that personal performance because when people – when people can work on their mindset, they may come from a space of having a very fixed mindset based on experience, conditioning, 
um, different behaviours that they have been taught and told and believe because of their the people in their environment. And when I work with them to help them move to having more of a growth mindset so that they can look at the world and look at their life and look at the challenges they face through a different set of eyes and give them a time to be able to to step back and to pause and think, do I have to respond that way? If I respond that way, where will it lead me? Will it serve me to follow that path? Will it serve me to get caught up in the the bottle and bottle up all the emotions that I have? So it's that is part of the work that I do. And then the other performance part of it is taking a very holistic approach to the way that our mind and our body work together. So I am a very, um, very active person. So physical performance is very key to the success of my life. And so I keep very healthy. I walk, I challenged myself uh, for one of my fitness goals this year is to walk 10,000 steps every morning before 10am. And it's something that I have stuck to. I have a morning routine. I spend at least two hours every morning before I even start working, doing my um, exercise, my mindfulness, all of that that sets me up for the day. So I help clients in as I say, business owners and corporate leaders to embrace the power of looking after yourself. So self-care needs to become a priority. And so that engaging with your mindset, working through your body and then looking at your inner self as well, when you can get all of that into a working routine that really does work for you, it powers you up each day. It powers your mind, it powers your body. You are in the right performance level that you need to be, just like a a, a high-performing athlete, Mm -hmm. that you can then deliver the best of yourself to everybody around you, but you deliver the best of yourself for you as well. So that is where my performance coaching um, takes me and takes my clients so that they have very transformational outcomes and they go on to develop very sustainable habits in their lives that they can tap into when they need it, when they're feeling a bit low, when they're feeling that they're backtracking maybe to going back to some of those pre-habits before they'd worked with me. They can then mm-hmm. tap into the the knowledge, the tips, the skills, the techniques that I help them to develop and then they can get back on track um, to perform at their best. When I think of these leaders in these corporations, I often think of people working 80-hour weeks and foregoing sleep and exercise. And I'm assuming that, you know, helping them get a hold of their health really can help them have a better perspective. And then again, I can see that. Now, thank you for explaining and clarifying the performance part of that Mm because, you know, I've interviewed like a speech coach in the past and, you know, it's very much, you know, how do you sound and... Uh, yeah, I like this. I would like you, if you don't mind, kind of play along with me for a minute. Would you be willing to go back and just talk a little bit about how you ended up actually deciding to leave? I think you mentioned you were in a corporate business type situation and the mindset that you're, you know, you're talking about you're helping people work their own mindset. Could you talk a little bit about your own mindset as you went through this journey? Um, for a while, you were just traveling and now you're settling down and relocating more permanently. What are you willing to just kind of go through your history a little bit and just talk about how the mindset and then what led you to work from home? Yes, most definitely. Thank you for asking me that. So I think the the mindset that I work with and I, I have created a an approach for my coaching called the can do approach. Mm-hmm. Now, the can do approach stems from my childhood. I had a challenging childhood and I believe that that The lessons that I take from my childhood are that it helped me to develop a very strong growth mindset. It helped me to embrace over the years and didn't notice, I didn't acknowledge it back then, of course, because I was a child. But if I think about it now and reflect on it, having that can-do mindset, the challenges that I had to experience made me a stronger person. They made me, they gave me an opportunity to overcome different challenges in my life. They gave me a chance to say, 
I can choose a different way. I can do things a bit differently. And I had to learn that and I became very resilient myself as a result of it as well. Mm-hmm. So what I saw as I reflect on it now, this whole can-do approach, the thread of it started to morph through the decisions I made about what I studied, where I worked, who I lived with, when I travelled. Um, and it, what it did for me, I think the, the, the bottom line is it, it gave me a chance to just see the world with very, very open eyes and a very flexible and adaptable approach. So when you think about travel, and I don't know how much travel you've done, but when, when I got on that plane the first time and I went to Canada and moved to Vancouver, I knew nobody. I had a job to go to, but I didn't know anybody. And so I, naturally, I was fearful. I was anticipating something, but I was excited at the same time. And so I think this whole can-do drive in me was already very apparent then as well because I got off that plane, I embraced the new, I had to adapt to different customs and different ways of doing things, driving on the other side of the road because I'd been driving the same as going to the US for me, having grown up in Australia and driven in Britain, it's the other side of the road. And so you're faced with daily changes as small or as large as they may be but it's about taking a flexible approach and thinking what am I learning from this what can I what can I take forward into my future what I am learning right now so I was always embracing the new and and facing challenges learning how to deal with them learning how to adapt to different situations and it became this this muscle that I talked about before this muscle building experience where I was powering up and powering up and so then coming back to Australia and then meeting my husband and then embarking on this world travel that we have done where we've worked and traveled in tandem and I think that the whole can-do approach served me so well but what it did is it just got stronger and stronger and so it wasn't until I think it wasn't until I took that leap of faith back in 2005 I decided that it was time for me to work toward my own goals and dreams I was was the coaching program this was this was when I started the coaching program, but I decided to walk away from a corporate role I'd had for 10 years. And I'd got to a very challenging time in this role. The company um, wasn't inspiring me. It wasn't motivating me to stay and the leadership was lacking. It was, it was a big shortfall in the leadership of the organization. And I just thought... I'm stagnating here. I'm not going any further forward. And there was something, there was something in me that was saying, there's new pastures. You, you need to embrace something. You need to do something different. So I took a leap of faith and I set up my first business. And then that led me into training as a coach. So it was, again, this whole can-do approach, this whole mindset, this growth mindset of mine was saying, I'm facing another challenge. How can I get through this? But because I wasn't being limited by having a fixed mindset thinking oh no I've decided to walk away from a 10-year career a cushy monthly salary what's going to happen next what's going to happen to our financial situation through this whole journey I had the support of a wonderful man my husband who has been an absolute rock for me he has been the person I go to he challenges me he inspires me he's that person I can bounce those ideas off and in a way he's been a coach for me all of these years as well and it's been a remarkable partnership that we have but he was the one who stayed in employed work he had a regular income every month and he was there for that cushion of support while I grew my business so again there was that flexibility there was that adaptability that I was able to embrace and even power up this growth this can-do mindset even more and more um, as I continued to grow so I think that that really is the essence of how it started from childhood through my education through the travel Mm -hmm. and it's got me to where I am today and now I use this approach to help others in their journeys, in their businesses and in their corporate careers so that they too can build that muscle and they can continue to power that muscle um, for the foreseeable future and as a sustainable part of their life and their career. I'm thinking back, so it was 2005 that you took this one-year course about coaching and then 2006, had you been taking, had you continued working through that one, that one year course? Yes. Yes. I was working okay. alongside. So it was an evening course that I was attending. 
so there's a lot of people who I've spoken with um, in my personal life and also as I was doing market research who were kind of on that, like, that point in their life where they're like, I feel like I might want to take a leap and leave my corporate job. Now, I have, um, I'm married to a man who's very sensible and practical and, you know, regular employment seems safe and leaving <laughs> seems risky. And thankfully, right now in our life, he has that stable income with the mm-hmm. benefits. And I had carried those for many years, and now it's his turn. And I have um, taken that leap. Um, and it takes some time. So can you can you kind of like narrow in a little bit on 2006 and what that was like, like getting set up, like you were leaving, like you left your corporate office and you sat up at home. Can you kind of talk about what that was like? What do you remember from the, that year? Okay, thank you. <clears throat> I think the first thing that I remember reflecting back is, wow, this is scary and yet it's really, really exciting because leaving the corporate job, I didn't really know what I was going to do straight away. But what had happened just before I left the role was, even though I said there was a massive shortfall in the leadership that I was witnessing in the organisation, we had been given the opportunity to start working with a coach, a leadership coach. This came in right at the end and maybe had I stayed that little bit longer, I could have worked with him longer. However, I took it upon myself to contact him outside of the business and he was the one who actually introduced me to my first networking experience. So he put me in touch with one of his connections and I had talked to him briefly about the fact that I loved to write and I wanted to help businesses to write. So this was the content side of my business. And he introduced me to a wordsmith, so a copywriter, who then, this this was all these touch points that springboarded me into the world that I am now in. So I then, she then um, said, come and meet me for a coffee. So I went and met her and she asked me what I was wanting to do and had I had any experience of networking before and I was like, what's networking? What is this thing? I have never talked, I've never heard of this before. So I, she invited me to a breakfast meeting the one that she used to go to and it was a small group there was about 20 women there and I walked into this room thinking what do I do what am I supposed to say I've suddenly I have to talk about myself I've had this corporate I've had this business around me all these years and and I've had a finance department I've had an HR department and I've had management and and support and it's just me now what do I do and so she Um, she just said to me, just tell them your name, tell them who you are, tell them what you have to offer and tell them that you'd like to talk to them a bit more because, again, I didn't know how to network. So that networking opportunity and that first connection catapulted me into becoming an absolute fan of networking because I love to meet and connect with new people. And what that did for me was it built my confidence. I learned how to present myself. I learned how to pitch myself. Um, The old-fashioned elevator speech or unique selling point, getting that across in a short space of time. But what I did is I just immersed myself in this opportunity. I wanted to connect with people. I wanted to grow a network myself of people who I could trust, who would support my growth, who would help me. And it was through that first networking group that I met the lady who introduced me to the coaching course. She'd done it the year previous and we became very firm friends. We are still friends 20 years later. And so um, it was that that got me into that. So that gave me that drive. And the more and more I networked, the more I built this network and I'd put myself in the middle and then I was making all these connections. And it's those connections that have empowered me to become the person that I am today but it was it was in 2009 that I decided to write my first book which was all about networking so it was called making connections how to network effectively to build better business relationships so I thought there was nothing out there at the time about how to do this and how to help people and I thought no one showed me the way so I'm going to help others so I just put together a very handy guide of 
why you should do it, how it can be of value to you, what, what you're aiming to achieve from it. So it's not just about going out there and selling yourself and selling your business. It's about how can you help others? How can you connect others and become a super connector yourself? And as a result, over the years, I've done countless presentations. I just did a webinar this last week for International Coaching Week. I did two, se two separate webinars on uh, networking and how to make it a success for you to win business, uh, etc., and how to harness the power of your network. So it's trickled through and been a very strong part of my whole business um, up to present day. So I hope that helps you to understand what was that first foray in. And I think it just, I don't think I've ever looked back from that point to just go, um, there was anything scary anymore. You know, I, I still get excited every day um, to just think, how can I connect to people? And, and doing this with you as well, it's a new connection. Um, making a connection with somebody, again, on the other side of the world, this whole global drive of mine is just making those connections. and But not just making them, it's about nurturing them and supporting others and helping others grow as well. When I think about networking events, I envision people just walking around and giving each other their elevator pitches, trying to sell mm -hmm. to each other, and then handing out business cards. But it sounds like there's a much more uh, developed version of that out there that maybe um, is being maybe enhanced a little bit by, you know, podcasting or uh, the Zoom meetings where people can actually have like bigger connections with bigger, in, I guess, across bigger, sorry, across bigger distances, sure. uh, finding people who like maybe connect better, like in that same niche, um, who they might not have made, been able to meet in person. Um, when you are meeting with your clients now is, are you encouraging them to join networks or your own network, have you created one as well? Yes, yes to both. Um, with my clients, I do actively encourage them to network. And as you say, we've had the advent of a lot more technology-driven networking. So we've got, we can connect with, I can connect with you in the US, I can connect with someone in Australia, in Greenland, in the middle of Africa. That mm -hmm. is the power of the digital technology we have at our fingertips. Yeah. What that means then is that we can get in front of a lot more people. So we can all have much more global focused businesses today, if that's what you want. But I think more than anything, the power of the network is you never know where a conversation is going to go. You never know what life it can have. It can have a very short shelf life or it can have a very long sustaining um, relationship with somebody and turn into a friendship as I described many of the women that I first networked with are still very, very good, trusted friends of mine. And we've worked together, we've collaborated on projects, we've, we've introduced other work to each other. So we've been very reciprocal in how we have nurtured the, the relationships we have built. But networking as well, I, I recently, in the webinar that I did last week, I came across this fantastic technique to help people. It's called the SNAP technique. And it's by a lady, um, she introduces it called Lisa, uh, Lisa Nickel. And she does this wonderful YouTube video. And the SNAP technique, SNAP stands for super networking at an elevated pace. And it's a short, sharp way of replacing the elevator pitch. And what she describes in the video is that instead of talking about your business, so just telling people what you do, you talk to people about why you do it and you talk about the results that you have helped others achieve. So it focuses on the results, the solutions that you provide rather than the process of what you do for people. So you talk about why you do it. So why is it that you get up in the morning and what gives you that excitement to talk about your business? And then when you talk about it, you talk about, well, as a result of working with me, clients are enabled. So that's why I say as a performance coach, I help my clients to achieve peak personal performance. And so with, a, with every client, they um, benefit from a peak personal, a bespoke peak personal performance plan that we create together and we work on that. So they work away with tools, techniques and a mindset 
that enables them to sustain their growth. And that's a different way of pitching that I was taught when I first went out networking over 20, uh, sorry, 15 years ago, when I was just taught to stand up and say, hello, I'm Gail Gibson, I'm a copywriter and I provide writing services for organisations. How different does that sound now? When I'm talking to why I do it and the benefit of the what the client gets out of it. So what's in it for me? That's what people want to hear. And so I encourage this in my clients to think, how are you going to talk to your, how are you going to talk to your potential customers to your organization or, or clients for your smaller businesses that you're running? How are you going to engage with them? And the power of networking, it's not just about those first meetings and selling business. It's about how can you bring people into your into your community and create your tribe of people you can turn to when you need them most, those that can support you, those that can empower you, those can, that can champion your business and open doors for you to other opportunities. And that, to me, is what the power of networking really is. Mm-hmm. So the difference between what do you do versus how can you help me? Exactly. How can you help the people that I am trying to help? How can That's we right. work together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Um, I know that you have a podcast, but I haven't had the opportunity to listen to it. Can you tell us who are you reaching there and what is the 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 topic? Yes. So the Can Do Way is my podcast and I set this up in 2018. So I've been talking to um, to guests all over the world. So I'm. it is not a business-focused podcast. It is more about people who've got wonderful stories of resilient <clears throat> excuse me resilience growth and success to share so people who may have been through a life experience and they've come out with a strong can do mindset or that that can do growth mindset has driven them through to achieve a better outcome as a result so i have spoken to people who um, have gone through traumatic life experiences who have shone through because they have found something in themselves to when they're at their darkest time to empower themselves to keep believing that life will get better and they've tapped into techniques or they've gone and studied um, and become new people so that they can transform their lives and then they're going on to help others. I've spoken to business people all over the world as well who have shared their stories similar to mine where they have taken a leap of faith or something in their life has encouraged them to say, I've always wanted to run a business of my own, but what have they done to make that happen and how have they kept building themselves and empowering themselves to sustain that business and to grow that business to higher heights? So it's a mixture of life experiences, business experiences, even career experiences where people have completely transformed their lives and stepped away from careers and stepped into something very unique and brand new in their futures and they are absolutely thriving so it's very empowering stories very some have been very very heartbreaking because some of the stories that have been shared have been very very difficult for the person to talk about but at the same time it has strengthened them so much because they have found a way themselves to get through it so it's this whole can-do thrust this whole approach that is a core it's at the heart of everything that I do I'm getting excited as we're talking about this because I I'm actually right behind my camera I have a list of some of the people that I've interviewed in the past and in my calendar, I have, you know, a list of some people that I'll be interviewing in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm already thinking of at least three different people I would like to introduce to you. So I will reach out to you after we're done yes. recording. See, and that's the power so... of networking as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's excellent. Can we, I don't know, my husband is a private person, so I don't talk very much about what he does. But it sounds as though you and your husband have been able to make this work for 30 years, you know, relocating. So has he changed careers or has he uh, transitioned to a more entrepreneurial role himself over time? Okay. Well, no, he hasn't. He is, well, he has changed his careers throughout his life with me. He has always been somebody who's been employed, but he's currently on a sabbatical at the moment. Okay. And so if I just backtrack to his childhood, 
Okay. He was somebody who, his father was um, in the forces, in the Australian forces. He was in the Australian Air Force. So my husband has been a can-do person all of his life. Every three years they moved, they relocated. So he lived all over Australia. He actually lived in Malaysia as a child as well. His father, wherever he got stationed, he moved to. So I have been, I believe this is one of the most fortunate unions ever because I met somebody and lo and behold we never knew this about each other but we both were can-do people who came together so he had a can-do childhood he was somebody every three years moving he got bullied he had to learn how to deal with bullies at school because he was the new kid on the block every time and he had to win through those challenging times so he had to adapt he had to be flexible he had to develop this can do this growth mindset as well to enable him to be very resilient to change and so with my experience that I've already talked about, his experience going through his childhood. So when we met, we were at a stage in our lives where we'd both done a bit of travel and and he had traveled globally, of course, and we decided to embark on what has become a fantastic and big adventure. We never had any children. Our life has been filled with travel and the adventure of it and the excitement of every time you get on a plane and go somewhere new and we're both like two little kids again and it's like I wonder what we're going to see let's just go and explore this place we're the kind of people that we don't take out maps we have a look at where we're going but we will just go off down routes and we will explore we'll turn corners and we'll find the most incredible places we're very in the moment kind of adventure seekers and so we don't have a we don't have planned itineraries or anything like that we just go and embrace where we are so coming together and then spending almost 30 years of our lives together now We've been through all the usual ups and downs of marriage, but we have grown and morphed and changed together as well. And I think that's been a key part of the success of our relationship. And so by me taking that big trusting leap of faith back in 2005 and with his support, while he was cushioning the blow with being an employed person and and staying in an employed role, um, we have supported each other we have challenged each other we have inspired each other we he is my best and my worst critic which is the best thing that could ever happen to me um and I don't always listen to the advice that's there but then when I reflect on it afterwards I think yes he's the one that he was right he's asleep at the moment so he's not listening to this but um he he has been such a huge pillar of support for me and he is that foundation rock that I I don't say I completely rely on because we're very independent of each other but we have a codependency that is a strong codependency but we're both very independent people um, but with I think we have um, we have shouldered life together for each other um, so he yeah I, I can't say enough fantastic things about him but his just his support um, for staying in the roles that he has done to help me so I have had the opportunity to grow my business but at the same time his inspiration to help me keep growing it as well has been such a huge part of it has been um, our success and our commitment to and dedication to each other as well as a couple I can hear I can hear and feel the love so thank you thank for you. sharing that part thank you let's chat a little bit about physical space your your workspace you mentioned mm -hmm. that you do enjoy trekking out to the coffee shops or the cafes um, but what about your home do you actually work out of your home most of the time at this point or I don't even know what the restrictions have been like in Malaysia for the past year but what mm -hmm. about before that okay okay so before when we lived in the UK I always had a home office so I had a mixture of face-to-face -face and then uh, online clients as well so I would work there on the days when I wanted to go and write so if I was writing a blog or I was writing a new program for my coaching business I would take myself away from home now it wasn't because there is any distractions because my husband was out at work he was in the military himself so he was away mm -hmm. at his station he was in the Royal Air Force so he was away and he was often away because he was on and on exercise 
And it was just me and our dog. So she was fantastic. She would just be asleep downstairs on her bed and then it was at certain times of the day we'd go out for a walk and I'd have that breath of fresh air and I could get some exercise as well. But it wasn't the it wasn't that I had the distractions or the noise. It was just that I wanted a different situation to be working in and a different place that would inspire different thought in me. So I would take my laptop and I would go and I would um, do my writing at, a, at another space. Move forward to today <clears throat> and over the last 18 months to two years in Malaysia, every bit of my work has been online. So we have had the similar restrictions, I'm sure, to what you have had. We have gone through a different series of, we call them lockdowns here, um, under MCO it's called at the moment, which is a movement control order where we're not allowed to go out because the cases oh, wow. are rising at the moment yep. again. So we're only allowed to go out for um, shopping and medical um, and yeah. we're allowed to do some exercise locally. Um, so shifting into a fully online business wasn't a very big challenge for me because I had been doing it for such a long time previously. So it has enabled my business to not only continue but to grow because I have now been in a new market for the last 18 months um, where I have been working with more local clients. So I'm engaged with um, organisations here in Malaysia and I've also done project work with organisations in Singapore and in hmm. neighbouring states in this region. Um, and and being able to tap into new networks in Australia um, and in uh, globally actually because my um, one of my uh, collaboration partners we set up a women leaders network during the pandemic as well we launched that in April last year so we have been working with female leaders from all over the world and networking with them but also growing business in that group and externally to it as well so. The transition to online 100% of the time hasn't been an issue. The one thing is I'm not getting out of the house at the moment as much to be able to do my writing in a, in a different situation um, because we're limited. But I have a beautiful, we have a very big open house. Um, so we have, I have a very lovely room where I do write um, and I do have a wonderful balcony outside which just looks to jungle. So I use that green space as my window of um, inspiration and I just often sit out on the veranda um, with a coffee and, and, well, my green tea actually. I'm not a coffee drinker, sorry, green tea. And I just have my laptop and I just look at the jungle and that is uh, often inspiration enough to just write. When you were in the UK, you said you sometimes had face-to-face with clients. Were they coming Mm. into your home office or were you meeting them out at the cafes? No, I'd meet them at cafes or hotel foyers or um, within their workplaces as well. So there may okay. be a um, a room that we could meet and have a consultation. And then did you eventually bring all those to a more digital uh, format in the UK as well? I did towards the end of my time there. So I guess it was that that move from about 20, end of 2017 into, oh no, probably beginning of 27 and then all of 2017 into the midpoint of 2018 when I left the UK, um, all of my coaching was online by that stage. Was that because you had a feeling that you would be moving and you wanted to make sure you could retain some of those clients so you started to move more towards that? Yes, it was, yes. And I did and I and I still have retained um, a lot of my UK clients. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still working with um, many organisations over there and individuals. Um, so it's a 50-50 um, work split for me. 50% of my work is coming from this region here. Okay. And 50% is still with UK clients who've been um, referred and recommended on to me over the over the years as well. Do you feel like that's kind of the same transition that you had to do again in Malaysia? You started with face-to-face contact about half and half and then you were you forced to shift it to online or did that happen naturally before the pandemic started to take over? Um, I think it naturally happened because a lot more people over here were just, were seeing the value of not having to travel. And um, not only with the pandemic restrictions, but it was just they could be comfortable even if it was in their office when I was working with leaders in the corporate environment. They could still have a have, have a room or they could go out um, even to a cafe themselves and sit there with their headphones okay. on and we could still have our sessions. Um, mm-hmm. But it's 
yeah, the digital transition, it really doesn't impact me. I do love that face-to-face and I would love to go back to sitting next to somebody or even in the UK, I did outdoor performance coaching as well where I would talk my, take my clients walking in a lovely park um, mm-hmm. or through a forest and we would have those sessions and they were, they would even ignite even more transformation because, you know, when you're in nature, you often have some of the most amazing experiences and mm-hmm. realizations and it's I think it's because it's the air is very fresh there is no distractions whatsoever there's no um, terminals there's no technology there's no traffic you're away from everything and you can completely connect with yourself and connect with the environment that you're in so I'd love to go back to doing that um, at some stage but um, as it is at the moment, life and business are functioning at a very good rate. So I'm very, very happy. I'm happy to hear that too. Now you're saying that you get 10,000 steps in before 10, but you're restricted right now. You're in a lockdown, so you can mm-hmm. have like a small amount of physical exercise. Are you restricted mm-hmm. to one time per day? Or can you get your 10,000 steps outdoors? Or do you have uh, equipment inside that you're doing that? No, I do that. Excuse me. I do that outdoors. So we live in quite a big estate. So we've got um, jungle to one end and then we've got all the houses. So I've worked out a route. So if I walk the biggest distance around the track, if I do eight circuits, that gives me my 10,000 steps every morning. So I go out about 6.30. Um, and it's a lovely time of the day because I'm a sunrise girl. I absolutely love watching the dawn. I love the sky being painted right there in front of me and the changing light, and I absolutely adore that. It's very inspiring for me. And so I walk walk very fast, so I have a very, very fast rate, and there's lots of um, my lovely neighbours. So I live in a Chinese community, and all of them are out, and we all say hello to each other. It's a lovely part of the day, and it's a lovely just that positive affirmation to get my day started Mm -hmm. and I can set my intention when I walk and I'm exercising my brain gets ignited into action and I can have quite a big I I feel that in that first part of my walk each day there's lots of noise in my head and then as I'm walking more it starts to decompress and I start to filter out the things I don't need to be carrying forward and then the inspiration will come for an idea which I can then park and then when I get home after my walk I find that I'm in a place where I then go into a bit of a quiet meditation to just let that really filter in and set itself in me so I set my intention for the day but I need that activity it's a very positive routine that gets me gets me inspired for the day and, and inspires the best work in me and my productive best. You mentioned that the fresh air and the seeing the nature and being in the jungle and being in nature really helps people to, to, to do well, to perform mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. But the physical activity itself also, you know, tied in with that really can help. I've been telling my kids this. They, uh, they're homeschooling with me right now and mm-hmm. uh, we're looking at doing some testing tomorrow and I was like, you know what, before we do the test, we're going to go for a run or for a walk or to run out in the park for a little while because kids just learn better. They retain better. They think clearer when they've had that activity. Um, but I'm curious, when you're out there walking, how long does it take you first? So I have got my, I, I, I do like to challenge myself and have a bit of competition and uh, I can do my 10,000 steps in about one hour and 20 minutes. Okay. So I walk then, at quite a fast pace. Yeah. I bet. Um, and then second, are you, when you're having, when you're thinking through and you're getting an idea of what your intention for the day is, are you writing mm-hmm. anything down when the ideas or thoughts spring out or are you just basically like uh, screen free during that time? I'm completely technology free. I have nothing with me. It's just me really? and the sound of my feet on the road um, and my breath and how my body's feeling. And that is, I've never been, whenever I go into nature, even when we're in the UK, I, we're, we're both technology free, my husband and I, we just, I don't, don't like listening to music, podcasts or anything like that when I'm walking. Mm. I just want to completely be interconnected with my environment. I should try that. I'm usually listening. That's when I usually listen to my podcasts. Mm -hmm. You have to find what works for you. You have to find Mm -hmm. what works for you. And that's, but you can challenge yourself to do different things. 
It's funny that um, sometimes when I do listen to a podcast when I'm walking somewhere and like, for instance, I was listening to a podcast one time as I was, I think, driving into a parking lot. And I think I maybe even walked around for a little while. And every single time I see that parking lot, I remember what I learned in that podcast. And when I go on different routes, I can remember the different podcasts that I've listened to. So I need to change it up so I can remember more maybe. But um, I like I like that. I might have to like I feel like because I am, you know, a mom of three and trying to work and support them and um, homeschool. You know, my days, I feel like I always need to multitask. So like, mm-hmm. if I'm in the bathtub, I need to be reading a book or listening to something. And I don't quiet down very often or often enough. Um, my cat actually just came in here to my office. And I remember when I first got her, a friend of mine just challenged me. I was trying to make a large decision. I was trying to decide where to live. Like, do I stay in Minnesota? Do I move to Missouri? It was a really big deal. And I just never really settled down enough to really think through how I felt, like the pros and the cons. And I remember Mm -hmm. just petting my cat. She's 13 years old now, so this was a long time ago. (laughs) Um, And and then it kind of, like, it settled in my heart, like, what I needed to do. And flipping a coin wasn't going to tell me. I knew that I needed to make that decision by... um, by just resting and, and working through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is something to be said for that, for sure. Yes. Uh, do you have a trail that you can walk on? Like, can you invite your clients to come and walk with you on your own estate by the jungle? No, no, no. We're not allowed to walk with anybody else. We have to walk solo at the moment. So my husband mm-hmm. goes out and does his walking at a different time than me. We're not allowed to be within, yeah, we're not allowed to do Even that. together? Yeah, we're not allowed to do that at the moment. It's wow. very strict over here. But before the pandemic, were you able to bring people? Oh, we walked together. Yes, yeah. The thing is, over here, um, I have found the outdoor walking to be a challenge with clients here because a lot of local people here don't like being out in the heat. Mm-hmm. So, and a lot of people wouldn't go out at the times that before, so they wouldn't do the sunrise walk. Oh, um, they and by about well, it's nearly. It's just eight o'clock now. It's starting to get hot already because it's very humid here. Mm-hmm. And it's usually about um, 30, 31. So in the 80s for you mm-hmm. um, every day, if not higher, 80s to 90s. Yep. And very, very humid. So people here, the local people in Malaysia don't tend to go out in the middle of the day at all because it's too hot. So but then even in the got, morning it's too hot? Uh, it's quite some mornings when I'm out at 6.30, it's, I'm already breaking out in a sweat before I've even stepped outside. So it's the humidity mm-hmm. levels. It depends mm-hmm. on that. But I know that they, in general, a lot of people don't like going outside. So I tend to keep my coaching here just to the online. Okay. Um, it's a new thing to introduce to them and, and maybe over the years, once, this, once we have a, our new normal and whatever that looks like going forward, yep. maybe I can introduce a, a group at one of the local... Um, areas here I don't take people through thick jungle because there's too many things in there that want to kill you like snakes and things like that so we keep these recreational parks and things like that that we can walk Mm -hmm. around though yeah I'm actually in Arizona and so uh I'm not very good at the conversion but we have had up to 123 degrees Mm -hmm. Celsius or 123 Mm -hmm. degrees Fahrenheit which is like 50 Celsius yes um but our winters are very wonderful and Mm -hmm. mild so mm-hmm. the the weather is very pleasant, and so you see so many people out biking and walking, you know, in the probably from October through about May, and then it mm-hmm. starts to kind of die off. <laughs> yes, it gets um, so too we do hot, have, doesn't it? Mm. We have the heat, but we don't have that humidity, so it's really mm. different when you've got mm-hmm. you know ninety five degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, we can tolerate that pretty well. Uh, yes. it, it feels hot, but when um, when it's 95 degrees with 95% humidity, it's a completely different story. Like, all bets are off. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm no good. Yeah. Well, how can people contact you if they wanted to? Well, you said you've written some books. So why don't you go ahead? You've mentioned the titles, but let's just do it all at once. Okay. How can we find you? Okay. So my um, my book about networking is called Making Connections how to network effectively to build better business relationships. And that's available on Amazon and 
other um, online retailers. And my other book is called The Rise of C19 Leadership. So this is a brand new book that was released this year. Um, I co-authored the book with my um, a leadership coach that I collaborate and we run a lot of women's programs and leadership programs here in Malaysia and the Asia, Southeast Asian region. So the rise of C19 leadership, see beyond and become the leader you were born to be, is all about embracing a hybrid model of leadership that we have crafted and designed that is all about elevating an emotional intelligence leader to the next level. So we've looked at what our experience has come from during the pandemic, from the client relationships we have been having. and We've witnessed a lot of shortfalls in leadership. And so it's these shortfalls that we are addressing and bridging the gap on in our book. So it's a very practical book about ways that you can think about, so you can embrace, you can acknowledge different ways to observe how you are as a leader and different techniques that you can then embrace and embed within yourself and within your teams as well. So that's also available uh, on uh, Amazon and various online book retailers. And, and I just want to clarify that it's yes. C as an S-E-E. -E, like S-E-E. -E. That's mm -hmm. correct. That's correct. So it's about With COVID-19. <laughs> yes, yes. No, not the C. But we use that pun because uh -huh. of the time that we wrote it. Um, oh, my yeah. co-author came up with the idea. One, one day we were just writing one of the chapters together and I think I came up and said it's about seeing beyond and then she said let's play with the current term of C19. Mm -hmm. So it's C19 leadership about seeing beyond and being able to thrive now and through any situation as a leader. So that book was um, published in February this year. I am currently finishing my third book as we speak. Um, I am co-writing with another author friend of uh, a co another coaching friend of mine, I should say, in the UK. So we've been writing across the miles, which has been fantastic. Um, she's based in Scotland, um, and so our book is the Working Women's Guide to Menopause. So um, it's all yeah. about our experience at our age going through menopause yeah. as professional women and helping professional women, whether they are small business owners or corporate women, to embrace this stage of life and that it is a phase, but we are using tools and techniques, mindset techniques, productivity techniques. We've built those in and so that we can manage the peaks and troughs of the brain fog, the hot sweats mm -hmm. and all of that because we are going through that ourselves. And mm -hmm. as professional women, we thought let's share our story so that we can help other women as well. So that is due to be published in July. That's very good. Uh and then your podcast, one more time, the Can Do The Can Do Way podcast. Do Way. Yes. And that is available on um, Spotify, on Google, on Cast Hopper. Uh, sorry, Hub Hopper, Cast Box, um, Apple, iTunes as well. So it's available on all the usual platforms. Um, and I have my website, gailmgibson.com. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't use any other social media to market my business. I'm not a big social media fan, um, mm -hmm. but I, I like to um, build very personal relationships. So I use LinkedIn as a professional um, point of contact. But I, yeah, I, and I'm available by email as well. Gail, do you work primarily with females? Not through choice, but it has happened that way, yes. It's it's grown into becoming a key part of my business, but uh, I do work with male leaders as well. Okay. But 90% wanted... are, are female. It's just kind of turned out that way. Yes. Um, I know some right. people market themselves only to females um, mm -hmm. just because they identify in different ways. But So the audience that we work with here are men and women who work from home, entrepreneurs and freelancers and employees and managers and all of those. So uh, it seems like you are an entrepreneur, but you have a corporate background and you work with corporate leaders. So how does that work? Yes, I run all of my coaching work through my uh, UK-based consultancy, Geisha Limited, uh, Geisha Consultancy Limited, I should say. And um, so, yeah, so when I go in, I will uh, discuss the options and identify the need of the client. So whether it's one-to-one -one coaching or whether it is team coaching that I deliver to an organisation and we will work together 
um, during online sessions. So if it's one-to-ones, we just set up a regular time to have those sessions over a course of a three to six to 12 months. Um, and then we, uh, we also run uh, I also run my um, team coaching programs, which again can be delivered in a group situation where we use Zoom and uh, have breakout rooms and sessions. So it's it's still coaching, but it's coaching on a on a team um, provision situation mm-hmm. as well. And that taps into the leadership work that I co-deliver with my co-author partner and also the women leadership programs that we have designed. We are currently running a women's mastermind session for the year. We have a, a 12-month program that we uh, are working with eight women leaders globally and taking them through a self-leadership program. So this program is designed to help them to build their own self-leadership skills so that they can become a better leader within themselves and then go on to lead better teams as well. So that uh, started in February and it runs through till next February and we're taking um, places for a mid, mid-year um, second, uh, second start to the program from July. So All right. So who got would a waiting be, list on that. Who would be your best audience for that? Okay, so it's it's women leaders, whether they are business women, so they're women who are running a business, maybe have a team of people. So it might be a small to medium size organization and you have a team of even if you have three or four people in your team and you're wanting to develop your own leadership skills, but self-leadership in terms of your own confidence, having more of a voice. It may be upward management as well because you may have links to other um, within a framework that you're working in or it's for corporate leaders as well. So corporate female leaders who are wanting to look for career progression, who are wanting to just be better leaders themselves and empower themselves to develop strong skills that they can take now and into the future for their organisations. So the program works that once every six weeks we meet for a two-hour session and this is online and it's co-hosted between my co-author and myself and we run through um, we do breakout sessions we have peer coaching we have insights and discussions on a particular topic now the one thing about this program that makes it very unique as well is at the start of it we actually sent out a list of 20 different areas for self-development that our um, our delegates could actually choose from the top eight that really applied to them and were significant areas of growth that they wanted to work on. So then they sent back in their top eight and we put that all together, we collated it and saw which ones were the most important ones to address to cover all bases for all attendees and we have chosen to just create that as our program for 2021. So it is very personalized, very customized to -hmm. meet the individual needs of the specific group that we are working with. So each one of these eight women are going to get one of their top key challenges to bring out um, through this program. And we've had two sessions to date and it's going tremendously well. And the connections that are being made, we focus on accountability as well. So in between sessions, we have paired up our women leaders to support and work with each other on challenges that they're going through and to just build those networks globally as well. Um, We have leaders in the UK, Turkey, um, Malaysia, Singapore, um, Australia and Dubai. So we've got a real wonderful mixture of women at, again, a mixture of corporate and business. So mm-hmm. it's a fantastic, um, fantastic tribe that we are building. It sounds like you really are listening to what they need and cultivating for them rather than thinking, mm-hmm. here's what I know and what I want to tell you. It's what they need, how you can yes. help. I love it. Yes. Yes. And let me see. Was there anything else? <laughs> I don't think there's anything. I think we've, yeah, everything else for now. Well, one more thing that I actually usually like to ask, and I I, I ask everybody, but I always get a different answer, so I keep asking because it's really good. If you were to talk with someone who was on the fence about possibly trying to work from home or work remotely or work from anywhere, uh, whether, whether or not they're entrepreneurs or employees or, you know, freelancers, what advice do you like to give? 
Okay. So if you are thinking about taking that leap of faith and stepping into the world of self-employment, one thing I would say is do it. But at the same time, before you just take that leap of faith, have a discussion with your significant other in your life. You need to take a look at what is happening in your financial situation, in your life situation. What you don't want to do by taking a leap of faith is to bankrupt the family and put yourself into a very stressful situation. Mm. So do have a look at, have that conversation, look at what kind of cushion of finances you may be able to tap into that don't drain all of the family's resources so that you're not going to empty out your savings account or have to remortgage your home or something like that. So think very carefully about that. But if it's something that is really, really burning in you that you really need to do this and you really want to embrace it, I would suggest that you do tap into looking to get some some support from a startup coach or a mentor if it's a particular area that you want to go into, a particular niche opportunity that you're wanting to go into, seek the support of somebody who can, who's been there before, who's willing to give you some time to actually talk your idea through so that you get the clarity of both the support from your partner and your family and you also get the support of somebody who says, yes, this has got legs and yes, you can take it somewhere. So that it just gives you that, it gives you just two different perspectives of what you can take forward. Um, so it's it's very important to think about that before you do anything else. That was beautifully said. Thank you. And what is your very favorite part about working from home? What freedom have you discovered through this process? Um, I think it's the it's the choice, the the variety that I can give myself, and the choice to work when I work and see the clients that I want to work. I can create a calendar for myself during the day of the hours that I'm available when I'm at my productive best. I also made a very big leap in my business a couple of years ago and I no longer work Fridays. I only work on my own business on a Friday or I take that day off completely, but I take no client meetings at all on a Friday. That is my day, so I have a three-day weekend. Mm -hmm. What I'm not saying is that I don't work over weekends. 99% of the time, I do take the time off, but if there is something that needs organizing or something that needs following up from, if I have a Monday, very early Monday meeting and I have to do some preparation, I will make that time to do that because it's my business and I can choose when and how I work in it but I think it's it is the choice because I get to choose the clients that I want to work with I get to choose the times that I work best for myself but I also choose to embrace the part of my life that is most important to me and that is the time that I have with my husband because it is Mm -hmm. just the two of us and we have such a wonderful relationship together and it um, it it is what matters to me most in life So it's making sure that I get those choices that really brings out the best in me and brings out the best in the work that I can deliver. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Well, thank you, Gail. I think we're going to call it. This has been April Malone with Gail Gibson, and this has been Yes, I Work From Home. Thank you so much, April. It's been lovely to talk to you. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Yes, we'll see you. Goodbye.